Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Karen Cole. She's an attorney coming out of Minnesota um, visiting today. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Karen? Uh, I'm an attorney here in Minnesota. I've worked in different work settings uh, since I started as an attorney. Um, Now I'm working from home. My clients are other attorneys. And I do research for them, writing for them, collaborating, and I also handle appellate cases on my own. What kind of cases? Can you re, uh, mm-hmm. describe that for the layman in the room? Appellate cases um, arise when uh, you have a court reviewing the decision of another court. So you start out with a trial court and then then the the person that loses can appeal to the next level of court. And then in our state, you can appeal to one more level beyond that. And and those other levels are are appeal courts. I see. Okay. And how many years have you been working as an attorney? Since 86. I don't know how many years that is. I'd have to do math. So let's not go there. <laughs> let's say, let's say more than three decades. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm starting to feel old here. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your journey as a lawyer. Have you been able to work from home in the past in that role? Um, I started out, I don't know if this answers your question, but I started out clerking for judges because I didn't know if I wanted to practice law. I didn't think I did because I didn't think I could be an advocate as much as a researcher and writer. So I clerked for our state Supreme Court for one of the justices for a year. Then I clerked for a federal district court, which handles trials for two years. Those were very, very different experiences. Then I went to a large law firm, uh, became a partner there over seven years, and then went to a medium-sized law firm and became a partner there and then went out on my own where I am now and um, over the course of that time the practice of law has really really changed and the resources that are available and the ability to work from home has really changed over that time and then especially during the pandemic. Do you feel like you were one of the front runners to go home or is it something that a lot of your colleagues were doing? Uh, No, I'd say I was one of the front runners because I was in a very um, unique niche that allowed me to work from home and more and more people, more and more lawyers now have that um, ability and the practice of law has really changed over say the last 12 years so that many more people that weren't able to work from home in other areas of the law now are able to. Can you talk about some of those big changes? Yes, Um, when I started out, um, big law firm, the firm had a very large law library and the law library was kind of the crown jewel of the firm. Yeah. Everything you did almost was done by using books and those kinds of resources. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, we had a librarian Mm -hmm. um, 
to manage that library. Um, same thing at the medium-sized firm I went to. Um, there was a library that I used for most of my work. It was not as big and elaborate as at the big firm, but a most of my work was done using that library. Um, over the course of time, computerized legal resources have become available. So lawyers are less and less, almost virtually not reliant on paper books anymore. Do these in fact, firms in even... Fact, this is, in fact, there are, um, as, as older lawyers retire, um, many of them have collections of law books and they will offer them to younger attorneys to use to outfit their 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 client space so that clients that come in can see, oh, this person must really know what they're doing. They have all these books. The lawyers are giving them away to anyone who will cart them away because oh. people just they people don't need them anymore. So do the do the younger lawyers even take them? Um, I know of some that, yes, I know of some that have taken them and they use them as props, yeah. which as props, and I think it's very, very silly, but it may help them in their areas of practice. Yeah, for presentation. So do the big mm -hmm. um, libraries even exist in these law firms anymore? You know, I haven't walked into any of them and I imagine that they do, but that they're different. Um no one would need to go to a shelf and pick off one of the books that are compilations of de appellate decisions. No one would need to do that anymore. But large firms may have more specialized materials. And I imagine, too, that they're investing more in librarians who can access materials that the firm itself may not have. I never really stepped into the law field in any capacity, but when I was in, um, I worked at for, for Mayo Clinic for several years uh, for different doctors, mm -hmm. including a surgeon, and I had to help find a lot of his scholarly papers. And a lot of them are behind paywall. And of course, the organization, you know, had paid the subscription for the doctors to access whatever they needed. So I had, you know, the ability to just go in under his, you know, uh, as his proxy, I guess, to, to find all these things for him. And I'm assuming that it's similar for law too. that other paywalls involved or is a lot of it just public record? Um, there are paywalls involved. Um, the Bar Association here has made certain um, um, resources available online for free to um, members of the Bar Association. I use a subscription service that is um, much better because I need it for mm -hmm. the type of work that I do. Mm -hmm. So I do use that and there are several big providers of those services and I use uh, the top of the line service. And that does help speed you up? Um, well, tremendously. I could not do what I do um, without it. I'm on 
I'm online via that service all day long. Mm -hmm. And before the pandemic, I worked differently. And I can tell you how I did that, if that makes sense. Let's do it. Okay. Well, before the pandemic, when I was on my own, and when I say pandemic, I'm not, I don't want to imply that there aren't serious health risks um, and that we are taking precautions about those all the time in this household. But um, when the shutdown started happening, um, I was working on my own. Um, and what I would do is I would go to a law library, um, the library that from the school I had graduated from, and that they had computerized access to uh, several services that I needed. And so I would go there. And by that point in time, the law students were really not using the law library anymore. When I was in law school, you would live in the law library mm. because you needed access to the books you had to pull off the shelf. Now, um, the, the, the main services provide them for free to law students. In that way, they become uh, hooked on them and then they'll <laughs> need them. They may not even know how to do research using books anymore. That's well, very true. Um, so, but I, so I would go to the law libraries and this one in particular, and they had computerized access. They had several terminals that I could use and I would go in there and work for hour and I, on end using those services. Um, and like I said, the law students were not there. They used the library as tables and chairs that they could use between their classes. Um, so I was one of the only regular attorneys or students using these resources. Um, and one reason I did it was those computerized resources. Uh, another reason was to avoid distraction. So I would go to the library. I'd be there for four hours. I would be there to do specific work. I wasn't interrupted by household things. And so I would get work done. And um, I worked that way for a good amount of time. I was one of the regulars. I, I worked a lot at night. And so I would be closing down the library with the staff night after night after night. I'd be the one that they had to kick out <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the night. Uh, when the pandemic came along, um, that wasn't going to be possible. Everything shut down. So I needed to get that subscription service for myself. Um, I got that. And then I wondered why I hadn't done it years earlier, mm. because I am online with it, using it all the time. And the other thing that's really helped me is Focusmate, because before, like I said, I was going to the library to avoid distraction. Now, when I'm ready to work, I schedule myself into sessions. And that keeps me focused and getting getting my work done. 
And that's how you and I met. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to reach out to Focus Mate and be like, you know, <laughs> we're promoting you an awful lot. Uh, no, Karen and I met, again, both of us were burning the minute oil. I think it was late for both of us. You were one hour ahead of me, but we were both working like it was probably midnight-ish. Mm-hmm. So do you do you really stay up late on some of your cases sometimes? Um, I do. I kind of have a, a diagnosed sleep issue. And it's mm-hmm. always been the case with me that I'm just shifted a few hours forward. It's yeah. There's an actual diagnosis. It's my father was the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I work um, just different hours. Mm-hmm. And that works with the area of law that I do. Mm-hmm. It would not work for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I also must seem to just do better in those hours. I have... Mm-hmm tried to go away from working the midnight overnight shift hours. I know I never do well, you know, four or five, six, seven AM. But mm-hmm. I do really well between like eleven and three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point you just have to identify this is working. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think for a lot of attorneys, um, it would not because um my clients are other lawyers. Um, I'm not meeting, I'm not having to meet people in an office Mm -hmm. or um, via Zoom or any other way. I'm, I, I have plenty of time in a day to collaborate with people Mm -hmm. when they're available, but a a lot of the work I can do when I want to, a lot of it is on a deadline and I'm doing it at the time that suits me. So if you're not meeting with them or even doing a Zoom, how do you communicate and collaborate with your colleagues? Um, We are collaborating most of the time by by email. I'm working with attorneys I have never met in person before. I've I've been working with people all over the state of Minnesota, um, even outside the state. People I've never met. And and part of it is um, that there is sort of a network of attorneys and um, it's it's big enough that you don't know everybody, but you know, everyone knows people who know people. You know and, of them. <laughs> yes. And, and my marketing, um, I've, there are, and this is another resource that helps people who are working um, on their own is, um, what am I trying to say? You know, listservs that the Bar Association organizes so attorneys from different areas of the law can connect and ask each other questions. A lot of my attorneys are that I work with are attorneys in solo practice or in small firms, and there is a question and answer looking for the right word. It's not listserv. There are little communities. Like a forum? Yeah. That's, yeah. People, people post thoughts. They ask questions. And I've gotten to know people through that so that people know if, if a question comes up about a certain kind of motion or appellate question, I ask that kind of question, answer that kind of question. So people know that that's the area of law that I do. Mm -hmm. 
Um, another thing that just occurred to me, I'm maybe leapfrogging around a little bit here. It's okay. But um, all of the continuing legal education seminars and bar association meetings that used to happen in person are now, most of them, many of them are via Zoom. And so I have given CLEs um, and participated in CLEs and attended CLEs by Zoom. And that's another way people are getting to know each other and you don't need to be in an office or in a firm to be connecting with people that way. So people get to know each other even better when they're seeing each other in, you know, in a Zoom call. That's so another change. That's another change that's come about as a result of the pandemic. You've talked about a few different shifts. The first one is when you went solo. Mm-hmm. And but you chose to work in the library. Do you think that you were mm-hmm. doing that more so that you would be out of the house? Um, I was probably mostly doing it for access to the computerized resources mm-hmm. I need, but I also knew when I was doing it that it was helping me segregate my time. Mm-hmm. That I knew when I was in the library, I wasn't gonna go watch the news or grab a snack or talk to Paul I was there I committed myself to being there for a block of time Mm -hmm. so so now you have shifted that to scheduling your time with focus mate do you have a dedicated office that you can close the door like a special space that you go into work and then come out of at the end um I have a dedicated space that's my office um but I don't go in for a day or, you know, a, you know, sort of a nine to five thing. I'm in and out of here, okay. but I'll be on focus mate. Then I'll go between sessions. I'll grab some coffee or talk to Paul or do something and then have another session. The sessions are set up so that you can choose between a 25 minute section session with a five minute break or a 50 minute session with a 10 minute break. And I usually prefer the 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that you and I got to talking was after the 50 minutes, when we came back to convene, you know, like to how did you do when you're focusing, we started to chat a little bit during those 10 minutes, Um, which is nice. Like sometimes people are chatty and I have met people from literally, literally all around the world. And sometimes right. people are like, okay, got to go. And, uh-huh. you know, that's your bathroom break and get some water and get a snack and go kiss the kids and put them to bed kind of thing. Um, and then uh-huh. you get back. So it is nice to have something that um, pulls you away from, like, for me, the doom scrolling, you know, whatever you're doing on your, on your phone for, you know, that chime that reminds you, oh, got to get back to it. That's then right. a lifesaver for me. Mm-hmm. And one thing, too, is, well, during the pandemic, um, when you're mostly closed in and people weren't venturing out of the house, you were meeting people all day, you know, so there was the social piece of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, and I imagine for you as a night owl, um, I was meeting people because I was not working in 
nine to five central time zone from all over the world, like Australia, a lot of Asian mm -hmm. people. So that's just been yeah. another great thing that has come out of this shift. It makes it interesting in Europe too. You know, you can sometimes tell from the light in someone's house if it's morning where it's dark where you are and you're like, hey, what time is it where you are? It's just like an mm -hmm. easy, you know, icebreaker. And sometimes yeah. we'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm just waking up in Australia or, mm -hmm. um, you know, finishing up their day maybe in Europe, just depending on what time you're logging in. And it's, it can lead to a, a quick discussion. It's, it's really fun. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of people use Focusmate for studying. I've learned a lot of people are getting through their degree, writing their dissertation yes. by committing mm -hmm. to what they're going to do for that hour. And mm -hmm. really great college students and many, many people getting, you know, in med school, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in law school, a lot of people writing dissertations, a lot of people learning languages too. Mm -hmm. Um. But, you know, I think that has to do like with the shift, like you're saying, like how law has changed because of access to online. So has school. So we see a lot of online students, um, a gal that I've met with multiple times from Germany, you know, she's been doing online school for over two years and this is her social life. <laughs> yes, right. And um, the law school that I went to uh, actually before the pandemic, because the law schools have had to sort of compete for students, hmm. they position themselves for online distance learning to attract a different um, subset of students. And they were enrolling students from all over the U.S. and even outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then when the pandemic came along, they were just perfectly poised to keep their students going with the online services they had developed. You mentioned that you were going to the law school that you had attended. Was that the school that you had attended back in the 80s? Right. And mm -hmm. you still had access to their library? Yes. As um, they, they allowed um, anyone to use the law library and alums did have some special um, privileges. And there are two other libraries I was using a lot also for different purposes. And these days I rely on the law libraries, but in a different way, the law libraries have had to reach out to lawyers who are working from home or not able to come into their library. So I can get um, materials that are not covered by my Westlaw subscription. Mm. And so I have a subscription that's really, really good, but it's very focused on Minnesota mm -hmm. law. When I need something outside Minnesota, um, I've paid for a subscription to one of the other libraries and they will happily send me what I want from outside Minnesota. Very cool. And same with another one. So just one more good thing that's come out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that you encountered originally when you started working for yourself um, that you've overcome? The two 
biggest um, problems I was having, I've overcome with Focus Mate and Westlaw. Those are by far and away the two biggest. I actually, I was only operating off of a desktop, you know, until shortly before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I guess I was kind of a dinosaur in that way, but the, mm -hmm. the desktop was doing everything I needed it to do. Um, luckily for me, I had realized I should have a laptop to work in the library. Mm. So I got that. So I was equipped when the pandemic came along. Um, I think there was, I kind of felt maybe a little insecurity about being um, not based in a brick and mortar office. Um, but so many people, I'm able to do everything I want to do more efficiently, more happily. <laughs> and many, many, many other people are doing this. In fact, before, well before the pandemic, lawyers had, had started migrating out of firms, especially big firms, because the, the most productive lawyers were paying a large overhead for all the brick and mortar services like staff people, including secretaries, beautiful office space rented in downtown Minneapolis, um, the library, all of those services, all of those things weren't necessary anymore to practice. And so really good lawyers started going off on their own. And often early on, they would get smaller brick and mortar offices, but they didn't need to be having all these, all these costs coming out of their, what they had brought in to the mm -hmm. firm. And then another phenomenon started, and that was that office sharing started to, office sharing services started. And there were, there was one in particular here in Minneapolis that was aimed at lawyers. And it was very, very successful um, during the pandemic for reasons having to do with the the desires of the people who were running it, it, it went by the wayside, but it was really good because you had, um, you know, I'm sure you've probably talked about this with some of the other podcasts, but people could get anything from an, an, their own office to just being able to have conference room to meet yeah. with somebody on a particular day. And the really great thing about that was that you had a bunch of lawyers that could work with each other, refer things to each other. There were social connections that came out of all of that. Mm -hmm. But now with that particular one not available anymore, a lot of people are working out of co-spacing, co-working spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I think a lot of those spaces struggled with the pandemic because they wanted people to maintain their membership, even though mm -hmm. no one was going in and the kind of I have heard of more than one huh. um, 
co-working space struggling. Uh, I was really happy to see the one that I was eyeballing uh, for the conference mm-hmm. room, just a mile and a half from my house, still there. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, like I stopped contacting them or pursuing, you know, the option for the two years that we were, you know, kind of hunkered down. Uh, but yeah. I called recently to be like, hey, if I need a conference room, is it still there? And they said, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I hadn't heard of one that was more designed for lawyers. That's unique. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, I was um, a friend of people that worked there. And, you know, it was just an incredible social uh, space for people to connect. Did you go um, as a guest or did you ever utilize that space? I didn't utilize it. But I knew a lot of the people there and I knew the people who were managing it. So they would have gatherings. uh, They would have parties. I was always invited to those. Um, I was going to speak at one of the the events um, there. So so, um, that was just an incredible resource. And also in that particular case, it was downtown. And you needed to be downtown. You know, so many people and resources were downtown. Now that's not the case. But you asked about challenges I've had to overcome. One of them is occasionally, hardly ever anymore, but occasionally I'd need to meet with someone. I'd meet with them at the law, at the law library sometimes. Um, or I'd ask a friend if I could use their conference room, but it was always a little uncomfortable, you know, to feel like I didn't have my own space. Mm-hmm. But now everybody meets by Zoom. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one wants to get in a car and drive somewhere to sit down when you can do it by phone or Zoom. So, I mean, if time is money, being mm-hmm. able to log in quickly to uh zoom meeting you're saving that what 20 30 minute commute for a lot of people right and way more than that if you're talking about driving downtown like i'd often go to um bar association bar association meetings or sealies that were downtown it would take me two hours to go to it would take me three hours to go to a sealie by the time you know you get presentable you drive down there you park in the ramp you walk through the skyway you go to the thing then you want to talk to people afterwards to hang out by the time you did it all it was three hours Mm -hmm. and now you can participate in anything and if if the if the event is an hour you can be there and be done in an hour so when so. I met with Karen today, she had this mm-hmm. very fancy jacket on, lots of really <laughs> beautiful colors and collar and everything. And then she's like, you know, it's getting a little warm. Um, and she's, you know, now she's in a long sleeve shirt and she looks great. But, you know, you're, you're always kind of wondering, like, is this going to look professional enough? And of course, you know, right. do you feel like the facade of not having to still be in the prestigious buildings has kind of fallen away? And that people are able to just own the fact that they, I'm an attorney. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where I'm at or, you know, what I look mm-hmm. like right now. Do you feel like that's changing well, as well? For, for me, it definitely has because I work with other lawyers. Um, so 
You're not trying to impress them. (laughs) Right. I mean, because they know what it is they're hiring me to do. Um, So I think for me, but even for other lawyers, I see them if they're joining me and they may have had a client meeting earlier in the day, people are more informal. Hmm. So definitely. That's a big change, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. Um, It is. And, and it just, it, it, it's one less thing to worry about. So, um, but I was going to mention one other major change in the world of law. It doesn't affect me as much as it affects um, a lot of other lawyers. And that is during the pandemic, the court system shifted from everything having to be in the courtroom in person to almost everything was via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And certain things that could not be via Zoom, like um, certain kinds of trials, jury trials, were just kind of put on hold during the pandemic. But Mm. the court system has issued a very detailed um, directive about what needs to be in the courtroom and what can be via Zoom. And the vast, vast bulk of what goes on is via Zoom and um, really anything except very, very limited things. Like if an attorney is going to be, if someone is going to be possibly held in contempt, a jury trial in a criminal matter, um, those kinds of things are still required to be in person. But for example, um, a lot of attorneys' courtroom time would have been hearings rather than trials, motions. Were you asking the court to do something, but it's not the ultimate decision mm-hmm. the court's going to be asked to make? You could, you could go to the courtroom, spend your two hours getting there, and then sit and wait with a bunch of other attorneys for the judge to be available, sit and wait while um, motion hearings before yours were heard, and the client would have to come in and be there. Maybe they didn't live in the metro area, they'd have to drive down here. Mm -hmm. Um, So enormous amounts of time were being wasted that way by attorneys, by clients, and also by the judges, because they didn't have the ability to just press a button when they're ready and have everyone there. Mm -hmm. So that has been a massive change in the world of litigation, Not, not transactional work, but in the world of litigation and courtrooms. So the alternative is that now you are able to stay at home log into mm-hmm. a Zoom and just be on call basically for when it's your time. And in the meantime, you can still be getting work done. Exactly. Is it making things more efficient in the in this uh, world? Like night and day. In, in certain areas of criminal law, more so than in some other areas, mm-hmm. lawyers would be hanging around. They could be hanging around for three hours. Mm-hmm. 
um, that's not that's not the typical experience, and it's it's true more in some areas than others. Mm-hmm. But all of that was waste. Mm-hmm. Was and it build? <laughs> like, can they get triple the clients now if they're saving time? You know, well, I don't know how people were handling billing up all that time. I don't think you know for a for a large case with a with a client that had the resources, things like travel like could be billed but for for most work no so Mm. so it this is far more efficient for everyone and it just reinforces the ability to work from home you know it's it's efficient it's way more efficient for everyone Mm -hmm. there have been some um bumps in the road like i don't know if you've heard of the one motion hearing that that um, it was in another state, not Minnesota, where an attorney was new to Zoom technology, and it was going to be an attorney with a judge, and there were going to be three attorneys. And so the attorney um, logs in, the other two attorneys are there, and he's got, I don't know what you call those things, where you appear to be an animal. Um, it's a superimposed, um, <laughs> it's a image. filter. <laughs> a filter. I, think, I think I've heard this story. I don't think I ever saw the footage though. So yeah. So it, like, it's so absolutely hilarious. Almost like Snapchat where they put like, so you can have filters that show the background. Um, like maybe you can be in space or in a library, but then there's also the ones attached to your face, like a mask. Right. And, this- <laughs> and, and it was very realistic because it wasn't just superimposed, you know, that the mouth would move when he talked. And what when he animal blinked. did he look like? He, he looked like a cat talking. And what had happened was oh, no. the attorney, the attorney was older. Um, his, his administrative assistant, small firm, one person operation, his assistant, had brought in her own laptop because he didn't have the capability of connecting by Zoom and she was helping him. What she didn't realize is that one of her kids had had imposed this filter <laughs> setting. And so this lawyer is he's saying, he's saying, I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat. And the judge is trying to coach. The judge was more tech savvy. I think he had his own kids who were maybe had helped him. The judge was trying to coach the attorney and he was getting so flustered. The other attorneys were laughing. Um, It was. And it was about a serious matter. So yes, yes. And the attorney, he said, um, you know, he didn't want to waste everyone's time and wanted things to go forward. And he said, you know, I'm ready to proceed. He was ready to be a go cat. ahead with his, be a cat for the hearing. Um, but that went viral. So yes, I can, I can send you the link for that if you want to see it. I would love to see that. It reminds me of the correspondent uh, whose, whose kids came running in when he was yes, from yes. home. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, like that. I guess, whether you're in the office or in a courtroom or at home, you know, things can go awry. 
Right. Yeah. And so, so there had there to be. <laughs> you can't have a filter. There there had to be adjustments and there've been adjustments. Um, so the first, the first Zoom court hearing I attended, everyone's name, they were blacked out, but everyone's name was there. So you could see kind of who was in the courtroom with you, mm-hmm. even if they weren't going to be speaking. Um, they've eliminated that, at least in the hearings I've been to. Oh. Our, our state Supreme Court, when they started, gave the way the appellate courts work is the judges can ask questions. It's not really a presentation. So you may have just said, you know, I'm Karen Cole, I'm representing so-and-so, and you might instantly be asked questions. And the judges decided that wasn't working. So they get, let every attorney take two or three minutes and lay out their case. And then they the judges ask them in order of seniority. Hmm. They discovered that some of that was helpful, get, letting the attorneys actually talk for two to three minutes to give them an overview before hmm. they started asking questions. Um, but then they went back to their usual because it's supposed to be a conversation mm-hmm. with the judges. So so some adaptations have happened and they've involved the technology and everyone getting better at using the technology. And had you seen any of this used before, before the pandemic? No, there had never been. Well, there was one small exception for the appeals court. If you, if you lived, say, in Bemidji, which is three hours to the north, mm-hmm. for an appellate hearing, if you had the permission of everybody, you could go to a courthouse and be filmed from that courthouse and okay. appear remotely that way. But that was hardly ever done. Mm-hmm. And, and it would not have been the most effective way of being in front of the judges. Mm-hmm. You, w- you wouldn't want to be the one person who was appearing that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But now so, it doesn't matter? Well, for the appellate courts, for our Supreme Court, you are appearing in person. I'm not sure about our next level down appellate courts because they held on to the uh, virtual hearings longer and I'm not sure if they've shifted back to in-person hearings they hear many 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 more cases and also their our state supreme court hearing room is this vast domed building so courtroom so you're not as worried about viruses being transmitted You know, in the last few years, I have noticed, I'm in my mid-40s right now, I've noticed a number of my friends say on Facebook, Mm -hmm. going to law school now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it common for people in their 40s to go back to law school or to go to law school for the first time? Um, 30s and 40s, I guess I would say. um, I don't know if it's become more or less common. I, I think people are just more, more less locked into one career path now. That's true. Um, 
the law school that I went to um, had it 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 had been here in Minnesota for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, it had it started as well. It didn't start, but it had a night school, and so um, you could go for four years in the night school or three mm-hmm. years in the day program. Mm-hmm. And I went to the night school because I had had another career and had worked seven years before that. And, and it was fantastic because the other people in my class were nurses or professors or mm-hmm. psychologists or everybody had come from something else. Yeah. And I later taught a class in the day program, a legal writing class. And it, it kind of amazed me that, you know, here were these people coming directly out of college and mm-hmm. the difference. Um, yes, they didn't I have the same experience. It was a very, very different experience. Uh, but so I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure how much more prevalent it is. You have a better feel for that, I think. I'm trying to think of some of the people that I know of. Um, one of them. Um... It was more of a friend of a friend, but was a doctor, uh-huh. you know, a doctor going to law school. Another one was um, a doula or midwife going to law school uh-huh. to try to help change some of the laws, uh-huh. um, just different things like that. It's interesting. So I was going to ask you, I was leading into my next question. Uh, what types of law jobs are out there for people that want to work from home? Well, I mostly do litigation. And I know a good many litigators, if they're meeting with clients, they need to have a way to meet with people, especially as we're transitioning um, back to um, some in-person work. Um, But even litigators are going to be doing the bulk of their work um, in an office. So I think a lot of litigators can do that. Maybe in the um, criminal law area, that may not be quite as true because there are more hearings involved. But I guess with our court now shifting so many things to hearings, to virtual hearings, that's not a problem either. Um, Transactional work like drafting wills, um, real estate work, contracts, virtually all of that work can be done remotely Hmm. um the the only exception again would be meeting with clients right so really the bulk of law work can be done except for the meeting with clients piece um virtually but for the people that are say doing the contractual work would you say the meeting with clients is 10 percent 20 percent five percent um a small percent, 10 probably at the most, because most of the time the person is generating the documents. Mm-hmm. There might be a lot of collaboration, mm-hmm. a lot of interaction with the client, but it's not like the client would have been running into the office for that kind of collaboration. Could they still do Zoom for sure. some of it? Do they need wet sure. signatures like in person? Like, does that matter? Um, I'm not 
virtually everything can be um, done through something like DocuSign. Yeah. I'm, I'm not on top of all of that technology mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I don't need it, but I see other people doing it. We bought a house with DocuSign. What? We bought a house using DocuSign for the yeah. most part. Yeah. I think we did end up signing papers in person on the last day, but most, yeah. of, it, most of it was done virtually. And one big change, um, our legislature, and they did this before the pandemic, um, changed the law so that you don't need notarized affidavits mm. for many things. You mm -hmm. don't need notarization for the bulk of what used to require notarization. So now um, people instead do declarations and you swear under penalty of perjury that what mm. you've said is true. Okay. So if it turns out not to be true, you could be prosecuted for perjury, but mm -hmm. you don't have to be jumping through the hoops of finding, finding which was harder for small firms and solo firms that didn't have a big staff. Right. Multiple notaries. I think the last time we needed a notary, we had to go to the UPS store. Mm -hmm. Are there any jobs that wouldn't be conducive to working from home in the field of law? I'd say ones that are client intensive, um, where you have a large contact with um, clients for short periods of time where you, you don't have enough time to develop a relationship with them that can be fostered other ways. Hmm. Um, but even then, I'm hard pressed. Um, I, the first thing I think of is some areas of criminal law um, that, that might involve practices where you have a fair number of clients. And okay. you may not know all of your clients well when they come in the door. Mm -hmm. What about when you're working with incarcerated clients? Yeah, that that was that had flashed into my mind too. Yeah. Um, so many of I don't know. I think your initial meetings with your client, you would want to be face to face. Mm -hmm. I see more appearances from, you know, with people who've been charged, you know, via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And just the ones I've seen, the attorneys usually there with the person that's been charged. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. That's a, a good question. And in the scope, I guess, of your field, how many people are like you and doing just not just, I, I shouldn't say just, but doing the, the research behind everything where you have um, more limited contact. You don't have any contact with clients. You, all your clients are lawyers. Right. Um, I am in a minority of lawyers doing that. Mm -hmm. Some lawyers, because the structure of firms have changed, there aren't as many opportunities for new lawyers coming out of law school to go to say a medium-sized firm and be mentored and be doing the, mm. the, um, the easier drafting and all of that under the supervision 
of an experienced lawyer. So there might have been, um, there are people doing that, and there are actually also services that provide access to um, newer lawyers to do that type of thing. Okay. That's not um, the kind of work I'm doing because um, I'm selling experience and judgment. So I'm not charging what a brand new attorney coming out of law school would be charging. Right. Um, but there is there is a deficit. There is a problem for new lawyers coming out because the world is working differently now. And in fact, um, a friend of mine started a worked with other people to start a service that was sort of like an incubator for new lawyers coming out to be mentored so that after they had been in this incubator for a year or two, maybe a year, they would be better equipped to go out on their own. Mm -hmm. But that has been a definite, definite change. Something else you said earlier struck me that, you know, as people are moving away from these bigger establishments, they're not needing or don't have like the secretaries and things like that. And I have interviewed people in the past who do virtual assistant work. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if more lawyers are taking on virtual assistants or virtual administrative assistants or virtual paralegals. Um, I, I've heard of these virtual paralegal services and I have through other people worked with, um, some paralegals that I have only met that way mm -hmm. and, and, um, legal word processors. I have word processors I work with who are, who I've never met in person mm -hmm. who are, incredible word processors that that I need to put out a finished brief um are they like editors or proofreaders I don't know what word processing means in this sense. um for for briefs there are there's certain formatting requirements like you have to lay out your cases a certain way okay you have to lay out you know your um Cases have to be cited in a particular right. way. Okay. And the, the word processing, the programs will let you do that in a polished way, but they're way more technical than, than I'm able to do. Mm -hmm. So you have them review your work before you pass it on? Um, I, if I'm working on a brief, I call, I contact Tracy and say, I'm going to have a brief due on X day. Are you going to be available? She reserves a block of time for me. And then when the brief is virtually done, she'll take over and and there is a good amount of editing to, editing to do. She's not editing substance, but mm -hmm. the format is, format requirements are particular and you mm -hmm. want it to look really professional. So she knows how to do that. Okay. So any brief I have, she would be the last person to, <laughs> to touch it before right. it goes in. Karen, I know that you don't have the same typical day as the normal, uh, I don't know, eight to five worker. 
Mm-hmm. But can you walk us through how you make this work for you? I like to just hear, because I, I, one thing about working from home that I really appreciate is that one size doesn't fit all. Mm-hmm. And you right. have found a system that's working for you. And I just like other people to hear that mm-hmm. not everyone has to wake up at five in the morning and do their workout before they have a productive day. How do you, how, how does a good day look for you? Well, jumping back one step. Mm-hmm. When I was at this big firm and this medium-sized firm, mm-hmm. um, over time I trained my office mates to accept my hours. Yeah, <laughs> and they did. They Good. didn't initially, but they came to accept it. And there were actually some advantages. Mm-hmm. They they called me. I didn't realize this, but people were until after the fact. But people were calling me the the ghost of the IDS center because because I was always there and in fact some of my best friends came to be the janitors and the security guards in the buildings I worked in I know what you're talking about because I've always kept those weird hours too I had Thanksgiving with the janitor staff one time yep yep and in fact our state capitol is majestic at midnight when all the lights are off and the only, you and security guards and, and cleaning people are the only people there. But I trained my people. I was available late at night when they might need something, like if they were at a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but people accepted it. And there were some downsides because I, I wasn't getting all of the networking opportunities that might because I was just around when other people were around less. Mm-hmm. Um now it's people just know they're not going to reach me at certain hours. I'm I'm going to be I I'm going to be available at late hours. Sometimes I'm cleaning up a document that's due the next day after someone has has left. Um, I've noticed that people, one person I'm working with. He'll never contact me before 1 p.m. because he knows he's that's when I'm going to be looking at my emails. Mm-hmm. And um, so that works. And, and at first, I don't like I have a new client now. I didn't want to email her straight out of the box at 2 a.m. <laughs> I wanted to. And, and I don't like um, clients who aren't attorneys. Um, thinking they should call, call me at 11 p.m. Because um, that's just not a good boundary. But everyone else, the attorneys I work with know my hours. And and everyone accepts that. Mm-hmm. You can schedule your emails to send at 8 a.m. at a normal hour. Yeah. Yeah, I should find out to do that how to do that I haven't used that yeah I think that um that's been available on say Outlook but also uh-huh. recently Gmail has allowed you to start scheduling your emails and so if I'm doing something at two or three in the morning and I don't mm-hmm. want to look like a you know total weirdo right <laughs> I'll schedule it to send at seven or eight a.m mm-hmm. right yeah I should check that do you have Is any do you have any thoughts for people that are thinking about working from home for the first time? Um, Advice? I would, yeah, I would say, look, just 
consider your resource. Look for the resources that you're going to need and think about how much, um, how much you're going to need to be interacting with the outer world and what those requirements are going to be and how you can, how you can meet them. I think, I think in retrospect, and this might not completely answer your question, but in retrospect, I would have gotten more technical help earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, well, actually like more um, computer assistance where in a big firm or medium firm, if I was having a problem, I would call someone and the computer person would fix, would come in and fix it. Well, now I probably could have done more to get subscriptions. Actually, this is something I would really look at. I would look at services like Clio in the law world that will bundle document organization and billing and all those kinds of things. And um, I've kind of developed my own little systems for each of those things, but it would have been more efficient to pay the money to get those systems from the beginning. I think the price tag can be off-putting, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars per year. Yes, yes. But you're finding that that is totally worth the price. Um, it would have been worth the price to me if I had um, gotten that from the beginning. And same with some other things like um, marketers. Hmm. There's a woman who does a lot of work and I, and well, there are a few people here that do work with marketing for attorneys. Um, and I just thought, well, I can do this myself. I can figure this out myself. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned about the expense of it. Mm-hmm. But in, I think there would have been ways that I could have phased that in and not had to reinvent the wheel myself. Um, mm-hmm. Word of mouth is awesome, but it can also be slow. Yeah. Well, instead of, yeah, instead of um, kind of figuring out on my own how to do some of these things Mm -hmm. someone could have helped me and and I could have gotten that taken care of faster so don't be afraid of subscriptions if they're truly going to make it you know move the needle I guess in your in your industry right and don't be afraid to ask for technical help right right and or marketing help yes marketing help and I know a lot of people who are Uh, work on their own who have arrangements they have relationships with people who will do computer upgrading and troubleshooting and all of that for Mm -hmm. them so so I would look for those kinds of resources I feel like I didn't let you completely answer my other question about what would a productive day look like for you oh sorry about that yeah (laughs) A productive day for me would be getting up, doing little administrative things, doing a little exercising, having a cup of coffee with Paul. The night before, I might have 
set up my first focus mate session. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So then um, instead of dawdling, I know I have to be dressed in front of my screen. I'm ready to go at 1.30. Mm-hmm. And then I might have a few sessions scheduled. I will have thought through what I need to do in my different focus mate sessions. Um, at some point, um, Paul will ask me what I want for dinner. Uh, I will tell him. <laughs> um, no, he's retired. Is that right? Yes. And he likes to cook. That's and a nice, the only, that's a very nice arrangement. <laughs> and he's, he's good. And, and his only requirement, and this, this affects my work day is that when the food comes out of the oven, I, I can have some input into when we eat 615, 630, whatever. When it comes out of the oven, I have to be there at the table ready to eat. So that right. is a big, that's a big part of the productive work day. Mm-hmm. And then relax a little bit after dinner. Paul's an early bird. I'm a night owl. So then I put in some solid blocks of time after that mm-hmm. and then wind down. So that dinner time. Is it about two, two hours, three hours yeah. sometimes for mm-hmm. you? Because that's your together time. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And you'll keep going until how late in the night? Well, actually, it used to be 1 a.m., 2 a.m. But, and I was going to bed at in really, you know, off kilter hours especially when the pandemic started Mm -hmm. I started going to a sleep therapist Hmm. and we've been able to move my bedtime and my wake-up times shift them forward and I'm still very much um um on a, a very different schedule from people in the u.s Mm -hmm. which is again one reason why i really like focus mate because i'm Mm -hmm. meeting all these other people who are working when i'm working but yeah that's a that's a typical day using focus mate to parcel out the day Mm -hmm. so you work kind of a split shift you've got a big chunk in the afternoon and a big Mm -hmm. chunk in the evening and a little time for your, your dinner and then are you on your own for your um, midnight meal um yes yes I am but Leftovers. I'm, ab- I'm able to handle it yeah <laughs> catch a quick snack and do you get out of the house very often now or are you primarily working um from home do you have a social life um we have been especially he has been very um COVID conscious yeah so We've been in the house way more than I thought. And he is an early bird. So he has been, especially during the the height of it, getting up really early, getting to stores before other people were in there. Yeah. And I thought I was going to go absolutely stir crazy Mm -hmm. because I was before, if I felt like a sandwich from my favorite place, I'd jump up, go out there. If I thought of some other errand I wanted to do, I would jump up, leave, be mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was going to go stir crazy. And um, 
I didn't. I found it peaceful Mm -hmm. to not be running around all the time. That's another good thing that's come out of the pandemic for me. Many good things for me. Um, So I mostly, a little bit more now, my book club is meeting. We're more relaxed about being out. But I'm still mostly here. Mm -hmm. And Focusmate is my main um, interaction with people. Mm -hmm. And the people I know by phone and Zoom and family by Zoom, mm-hmm. um, which has been yet another thing. Yeah. Being able to connect with family members from other parts of the country that mm-hmm. you might not have in a serious conversation with except once every three years or something that I've I seen- see now. Once mm-hmm. a week. Yeah, I see week. my family now every week. Well, I missed yesterday. We went to see Alton Brown live, my daughter mm-hmm. and I. Do you know who Alton Brown is? I don't. Why does he sound so familiar? Paul might know. Yeah. Um, Paul, if he's a cook, might have heard of him from Good Eats. <gasps> yes. It's a he's a iron yes. chef and Good Eats. Guy yeah. On TV. Yeah. I can picture him now. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Um, so we missed our zoom call yesterday with my family, but I've seen my family more in the past two years, two and a half years than I had seen them probably in the previous 10. Yeah. Even when I live close to them, I don't think I talk to them as much as I do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's been life changing. Any final thoughts to wrap up for today? Um, just that I have found my own little niche. I really like my niche. I have a good client base. My my work arrangements are working for them. They're working for me. And I've been able to refine them in the last couple of years. Everything is working. And if there's lawyers out there that could use your expertise and research and judgment, uh, how can they find you? Um, my website is www.premiumlegalwriting.com and you can email me at karen at premiumlegalwriting.com and I'd be happy to talk to anybody. I'd probably learn some things. (laughs) It's been so fun working with you. I think we've matched up together on Focusmate three, maybe four times now. And yeah, it's always been fun, even if we're not really chatty that time. It's yeah, it's still nice to see a familiar face and oh, I know you. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, um, so I'll be looking for you on the calendar. Absolutely. And thank you so much uh, today for taking a little time um, to meet with me. Karen, thank you so much. I am going to call it for today. This has been April Malone with Karen Cole. And yes, I work from home and we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye.